Christmas, happy holidays, and welcome into another edition of the Goalie Like Derek podcast here with the Indy Star. I'm your host, Derek Schultz, but the star of the show, as always, the star on top of our Christmas tree is the one, the only Greg Doyle. What's up, man? Happy holidays. You know, I was wondering if the Indianapolis Star was called the Indianapolis Herald, would you still say the star of the show, or is that kind of a play on... Uh, it just occurred to me the other day that he might actually mean that like in a sarcastic... Not sarcastic, but kind of a clever way. Like, would I be the herald of the show with the Indianapolis Herald? No, I mean, I, I think the... It's not... First off, I'm serious. It's not a joke. Um, but this, this is your playpen here. You know, when you think of the Indy Star, and you have a lot of great colleagues as well, but when you think of Indy Star sports... At this point, you've been around long enough where I think people automatically think of Greg Doyle. So if somebody is interested in you and what you have to say, this is really your podcast, Greg. I am just kind of the vehicle to get that opinion verbally out there. Uh-huh. That's how I view it anyway. How yeah. cool are you? So I like to contribute. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I love having the platform um, and, and all of that. And I, I think there are some people that listen because they're like, hey, you know, that Schultz guy's Extremely handsome and knowledgeable and intelligent. So I like what he has to say, but you are indeed the draw. That's why it's Doyle and Derek and not Derek and Doyle. Did the did the dude from Las Vegas call you about about your doppelganger uh, Blankenship? No. Um, and people tweet me now all the time, like when he makes feel, like that fifty three yard field goal. I get tweets like, "Hey, good job," and all of that. Huh. Um, somebody somebody asked me if I was going to buy the socks. Did you see? He, he's made his own socks that he sells. I don't know if he does it through his own website or something like that. Um, I know he sells his own T-shirts. So, you know, oh. Rodrigo's a smart guy, man. He, he, he knows how to, you know, get himself out there and brand himself for sure. We have another mogul, like Oladipo's Instagram page, Twitter page. It doesn't say <laughs> Pacers. It doesn't say that. It says a bunch of stuff. The word Pacers not there. It says young mogul. And uh, that's when you kind of realize, that's when I started realizing, you know, Oladipo might not be quite – you know, when people look too good to be true, they kind of are, and maybe he was. Now you tell me Rigo's making some money off his specs. Is, is he Young Mogul Part Two? Are we gonna like disown this kid at some point? Yeah, just it's just around the corner, Greg. He's gonna start leaking <laughs> stuff to Shams, and then we're all gonna get PO'd again and want to run him out of town. It's gonna be Schefter. It's gonna be Schefter. I knew it. Rigo's gonna go. Yeah, to that's Schefter right. Yeah. Everything. <laughs> we got plenty to get to today, and I know that we usually leave Colts, but I, I think really the most the most interesting and topical thing that happened in the last couple of days, and and you know, part of me is not surprised, but then another part of me is I, I really didn't think that it was going to get this bad for Indiana and their bull snub. And look, let me preface by saying, of course, we're in the state of Indiana. Of course, we lean optimistically towards the local teams. But, Greg, I don't think that it's it makes me a homer to say it's absolutely ridiculous that Indiana could have the season that they had and their reward for it is a four-win Ole Miss team that gives up six touchdowns per game. Yeah, the uh, I can see why they wouldn't be in the New Year's Six. I mean, I, can, I don't like it, but I can see why. I can't see why they're playing Ole Miss. I, I, don't, I don't see that at all. Um, but I, part of me wonders, uh, and I, I thought about writing this and then thought, nah, uh, so I'll just say it here, but part of me wonders how much of this um, emotion that we're seeing from IU people um, is how much this at all is fueled by fear, and by and by that I mean like this is a are, are people seeing this as a once in a lifetime season? This was our chance, 
and we had it taken from us. I was thinking about writing that, but not in a negative way, in a positive way, because I, if, if fear is driving any of this, fear that we won't be here again, you will be here again. And I don't mean in a bad way getting screwed. I mean, I don't think I use going away under Tom Allen. I think I think I use going to be really good for a long time. So I just wonder, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, they got screwed, there's no doubt about it. But I wonder how much this is people thinking this was their shot. And I'm here to tell you this is not their shot. They're going to have a lot of these shots. I don't think it's that, Greg. It, it, I mean, we're looking at Indiana in a vacuum here. I, I think that Indiana can get to this level again. But can Indiana have the set of circumstances where they have a team like this and Michigan, Penn State, Wisconsin, and Michigan State are all simultaneously having a down season so that they're the second best team in the Big Ten? Like, do I think Indiana can go, can win eight or nine games again? Yeah, absolutely. Do I think Indiana's going to have the chance to be the second best team in the Big Ten and ranked in the top ten? Uh, you know, th- those situations to me seem to only come along every once in a while. And I, I think it's equal parts frustration because, and this isn't to take away from their situation, but let's look at another local team. You know, Purdue in 2000, it was a great story with Drew Brees. Purdue had, like, I think there was a four-way tie or at least a three-way tie atop the Big Ten they needed a, a bunch of things to fall into place for them to make the Rose Bowl. And, you know, it felt like Indiana had all these things fall into place for them to play in a major bowl game, Fiesta, um, you know, something something along those lines. And instead, they end up in the Outback Bowl, which is a nice bowl, but I, I think the problem is the opponent. You know, Indiana wants a chance to prove themselves, and you don't get a chance to prove yourself against the eighth-best team in the SEC. That's true. I mean, that's all true. And I, I don't want a soft – pedal this too much and say, hey, everybody, calm down. Um, they got screwed. They really have no choice but to beat Ole Miss by 30. And because Ole Miss is coached by that idiot, Lane Kiffin, I hope they do win by 30. Um, now, Tom Allen used to coach at Ole Miss. He coached under a different idiot, Hugh Freeze. So he doesn't have anything personal to do. I mean, I don't think he's got any problem with Ole Miss. And I hope he's got a problem with Lane Kiffin on the general grounds that everybody has a problem with Lane Kiffin because he's an absolute idiot. But um, I hope they run it up. You know, run it up, run it up for every reason. Run it up because because Lane Kiffin's an idiot. Run it up because you got screwed. Run it up because I use mad. Run it up. And uh, my parents worked at Ole Miss for 15 years, and I grew up rooting for Ole Miss. But Ole Miss, uh, Indiana, run it up. This feels like a game where Indiana has very little to gain and a lot to lose. And the reason that I say that is because even if, let's say hypothetically, Indiana does what you want, Greg, and IU runs up the score and they beat Ole Miss, I don't know, 52 to 10 or something like that. At the end of the day, I'm not really sure that proves anything for IU. Like blowing out Ole Miss, everybody blew out Ole Miss. Everybody (laughs) worth a darn, excuse me, blew out Ole Miss. So, you know what I mean? Like, yes, Indiana can end that embarrassing nation um, the, the record, the current record, longest running bull wind drought, which dates back to 1991. So they can end a 30 year bull drought. They can win the Outback Bowl, which is the most prestigious bowl that Indiana would ever have the opportunity to win in their football history. But, you know, kind of getting aside that, I think a lot of people would look at this game. If, if Indiana blows out Ole Miss nationally, people would look at it and say, eh. Yet if they, they lost the game, everybody would point and laugh and say, see, we told you they didn't belong. And it, it almost like discredits everything that they've done to this point this season. I don't know. I, I just – I get why they want to play, and it's Tom Allen and his players' decision. But part of me is kind of like I, I would enjoy watching Indiana say, you know what, shove it. Our season's over. Um, we're, Ole Miss is not worthy 
uh, a worthy opponent for what we did this year. So we're just going to move on to something else. That's nonsense. That that's awful. <laughs> that's terrible. Now, granted, look, if if we know if we if we had a, if we could know that Ole Miss is going to win that game, then yeah, you don't play it. You don't play it because you can't lose to Ole Miss. But they're not going to lose to Ole Miss. Not playing that game almost looks scared. Um, and furthermore, it, it takes Tom Allen. It, it costs him a week or however many days in Florida where he, you know, I don't know how much recruiting you can do. I'm not sure how much, but your school will be in the papers and the headlines and on the TV, local news and all that. So you let Tom Allen, you let him run amok in Florida for another week and let him steal a few more of those great players out of there. But no, I don't, I don't agree at all with, with skipping the game. I mean, you're at this, I mean, here I'll say it. You're, you're only Indiana. Okay. Listen, you don't skip bowl games. You're not, this is not Ohio state. You know, getting dropping out of the uh, out of that and falling all the way out back bowl and saying, "Listen, screw you guys. We're Ohio State. Indiana football is still building something, building something special." But you complete that building or you work on it by you beat the hell out of Ole Miss, and then you tell Lane Kiffin that was for you, you little idiot. I'm just Greg. I, I get what you're saying. I'm just upset that I think Indiana. I don't think Indiana deserves filet mignon. I don't think that they deserve lobster. I do think they deserve better than a cat poo sandwich. And that's basically what, what the, the Big Ten and everybody is giving them. They're taking the scoop into the litter box. They're putting it in between two slices of white bread. And they're saying, here you are. You're Indiana, so you have to eat this. Go ahead and enjoy it. And it, it, it makes me, again, the New Year Six, like you, I get it. I get getting passed by Iowa State. I don't like it, but I get it. Um, I don't get getting passed for Northwestern. Indiana is definitively a better team than Northwestern with any possible evaluation, metric, ranking, that you would use, and it, it makes zero sense to me why they got passed by Northwestern, who has no brand power at all. Yeah, you know, uh, Fred Glass, the the former IUAD, um, had a, a lot of interesting things to say in a story by our Zach Osterman. If you guys haven't read that, I mean, I mean, you need to read that. It's Fred Glass went off. I mean, if you want to see someone stick up for IU, Fred Glass went off, and he didn't name names, but he may as well have, because at one point he said, there are people in this conference that are used to coming Indiana, Indiana and taking our players, and they don't want to see us being good. <clears throat> so they're keeping us down. And the first school that came into my mind, mainly because I've written about the Tracy family at Decatur Central, I know that Iowa recruits Indiana very yeah. well. And I know that Gary Barta, the Iowa AD, was on the, uh, you know, the college uh, playoff committee. He was the chair. The head of it, yeah. The head of it. And I just have to wonder, how much is he – is he talking about Iowa? Is he saying Gary Barta screwed us because because uh, Kirk Ferentz likes to recruit our state? I, and I don't think he – I think if you put him into a, a, in a, in a lie detector test, I don't think he would say 100% definitively he believes that. But I, I think what he was saying is something weird happened here. And here's an option. It, maybe it's this. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's this. But he had a lot of things to say about a lot of places, and it was uh, – it was awesome to read. And again, if you guys haven't read it yet, Osterman did a hell of a job. Yeah, he did. And I know that that, that specific quote from Fred Glass went viral, really. I mean, everybody was, you know, retweeting that and, and liking it and sharing it. Um, let's talk about the college football playoff just in general, Greg, because there was a lot of, not just with Indiana, there was a lot of people upset about Cincinnati's situation. And then just really the group of five teams, Coastal Carolina, who had really good seasons and I think Coastal Carolina ends up in the Cure Bowl. And, you know, it's kind of the protection of the old guard where, you know, the New Year Six is Georgia and, and teams that, you know, are, are we're used to seeing in games like that. And then everybody else has to just kind of fight for the table scraps. And 
people are saying, look, if, if somebody like Cincinnati wins their league and wins all their games, what else do you want them to do? Yet here they are getting passed by two loss Oklahoma. And, you know, do you have a problem with that? Should we shake up this structure or is it what it is? Well, it's not just that UC got got denied a chance to play for the national championship. And I'm not saying they should. I, I've i got a Heisman vote and I, I thought hard. Well, I, I looked up the UC quarterback, I, you know, Desmond Ritter. I, I know he's good. I looked up his stats to see just how good he is and realized, oh, you're not a Heisman. Never mind. You're not that good. I mean, he's good, but you're not that good. So I don't think UC would – I mean, they'd get smoked in the in the semifinals. But for them to get blanked, um, just so a three-loss Florida team can be in there, you know, and, and listen, I like Scott Strickland. Um, he's the AD at Florida. Uh, Scott Strickland came up as a sports information director for basketball. He was the, the Kentucky – he was the Baylor SID when 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 Baylor was just when Dave Bliss was there. He went from there oh, to Kentucky. God. Yeah, so Scott Strickland went to Kentucky, and he was the SID for Tubby Smith. And I don't think he was there for Patino, but for Tubby for sure, and maybe a little bit of Gillespie. Um, and then he went to Mississippi State, became the AD at Mississippi State. Now he's the AD at Florida, my alma mater. I like Scott Strickland a lot, but he's the Florida AD, and he's on the College Football Playoff Committee. And Florida, with three losses, is in a New York Six Bowl. And I don't think Strickland did that at all. Um, but I think what happened was he's on the committee and I'm sure he recused himself and Florida was discussed and the committee looks at itself and whether they say it out loud or just think it to themselves, they're thinking he's going to walk back in this room. I don't want to look him in the eye and know that he got passed up by UC or IU. And so they put Florida in. I think Florida's in because Scott Strickland's on the committee. I think that's the only reason that, you know, why the three lost Florida team get in? That's why. So there's a lot of problems with a lot of this. Nothing's perfect. This is better than the BCS. All they got to do is expand it to eight. Expand it to eight or expand it to six. But if you expand it to six or eight, that also opens up a lot more slots than your six bowls. So expand it to eight and, and we'll go from there. And that'll happen soon. Yeah, I, I think what we learned from this year is that for whatever the reason, the committee decided as a whole that losses didn't count. So Florida losing to LSU, so what? They, they, you know, they beat Georgia, so that's enough. Um, Iowa State losing by 17 at home to a Sunbelt team. Yes, Louisiana's pretty good. Doesn't count because Iowa State had a couple of quality wins. Um, it's, it's all about, and that's maybe why they took Northwestern. Northwestern beat Iowa, which is a better win than anything Indiana has. Northwestern also lost to an embarrassingly bad Michigan State team, but losses didn't count. And that, that's my big problem here, Greg. Like, uh, you know, a, a team with triple the amount of losses of another team, that still to me has to count. Um, Indiana may not have a quality win, but they didn't lose to anybody terrible. And the only loss that they had was by one possession against a team that you firmly had in your playoff. That's the other thing that, that Zach Osterman pointed out, your colleague, was that, look, the, the set of criteria for Ohio State depends on you guys elevating Indiana. If Indiana is Ohio State's signature win and they're comfortably in the playoff, then why do you hate Indiana's resume so much? You know, that, that's another thing that kind of popped up that, that, that nobody seemed to want to talk about. And if it's all about who you beat, why is Georgia in there? Georgia didn't beat anybody. Georgia's best win is against a team that fired their head coach because they were so bad this year in, in Auburn. So, I don't know. Um, it's To me, whether you expand it to 6, 8, 12, 16, it's never going to change. The, the, the people that get the first crack at the table are going to be the big brands and the Power 5 schools, and they'll always find a way to push out these other teams. I, I think what was interesting about this year was that you had so many group of five teams, Cincinnati, Coastal, uh, BYU, Louisiana, that had really nice seasons and had good wins. 
and and that's why there's this much of a problem with it. But um, you know, the final four, whatever. You, I, I think you had three deserving teams or two and a half deserving teams. You throw Ohio State in there. I, I have no problem with that. And the fourth one is. It, there wasn't a fourth deserving team. So if they wanted to throw Notre Dame in there, fine. Notre Dame technically had the best resume out of the teams remaining, but I, I don't think it really matters. Alabama was going to shellac whoever you put at number four. Yeah, the the one thing, and I, it seems like I'm doing a lot of devil's advocate here, and uh, I mean, IU belongs in near six bowl. I, I, but I, I understand I also what maybe what happened to them in that you, you let in a couple teams with three losses. And again, in Florida, I've already said Florida's in because Strickland's on the committee. So I, and that right there is IU spot. But having said that, I can see why you let it. People are talking about, well, how come three losses gets in, one loss doesn't, or, or zero? Well, the teams with three losses also played four four more games, something like that. <clears throat> so, or five. I mean, they played a lot more games. <clears throat> Excuse me, sorry. So I, I can, I mean, it's not as easy as saying. I mean, it wasn't like one team was 10 and one, one team was eight and three. I mean, one team played a lot more games and won a lot more games and also lost. Two more. I, I think that has to be considered, especially when they're playing an SEC schedule. Um, I don't know. I the system's gonna. It, we all know it's gonna get blown up um, or at least tweaked. And it took something like this to happen. I, I'm disappointed. Coastal Carolina, BYU. You know, they're, I'm disappointed for what happened to them too this year. There's a lot. There's a lot wrong with this. Are you aware that Tom Allen's buyout is now bigger than we thought? And I thought it was like seventy million. Yeah, only because you tweeted it. What is it? It's like twenty-two something, isn't it? Twenty-seven. Yeah, okay. I knew it was in the 20s, yeah. <laughs> Whatever it is. Maybe it's 22. At some point, it's like when I was talking to Neil Fingleton 15 years ago. He's a McDonald's All-American from England, but played at prep school in Boston. And he, was, he signed with North Carolina, Chapel Hill. I was covering Chapel Hill at the time, I think. And I saw him at the Adidas ABC All-Star game. And I asked him, how tall are you? Because, you, you know, you're, I've seen you listed at 7'4", 7'5", 7'6", 7'7". What is it? He said, does it really matter? Like, as tall as I I mean, at this point, it doesn't matter. I'm so tall, it doesn't matter. And uh, same thing with what we're talking about here. And I forgot what we're talking about here. But does it really matter? What, what, what was the topic? Tom Allen's buyout. Tom Allen's buyout. It's so big. It's, it's Neil Fingleton big. It's like, does it, 22 million, 27, does it even matter at this point? Because either way, it's too big for everybody else. No one can afford that. He's not going anywhere. And I don't think he would. But it just kind of removes a layer of what if. There is no what if. It's not going to happen. And if he does, not saying that you want that to happen if you're IU, that's a pretty nice little golden parachute that you've got coming to you um, if, if that ends up happening. You know what I mean? That's a, that's a kind of a nice, I don't know, fail-safe or whatever the word is for, the, for something like that. Yeah. Um, let's move on to the Colts. Uh, they win now in a situation where if they beat Jacksonville, that probably will be enough. But I think what's interesting here, Greg, is uh, I'm not sure how much, if, if any, if you watched of the Steelers-Bengals last night, but um, Ben Roethlisberger was awful, especially in the first half. And this Steelers team is dissolving right now in front of our eyes after a 10-whatever-it-was, 11-0 start. They've now lost three straight. And even though the Colts have a very ugly franchise history against Pittsburgh, I think people are feeling pretty confident in their chances of winning Sunday. And if they do that, then they've gotten to the point where the division is back in play and the playoffs are a certainty. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it's n apparently 91% chance right now, and, and I, I can't see them I can't see them not getting in. And, yeah, Pittsburgh's falling apart. And I mean, only uh, – Eric Ebron went to a team that had a guy that drops more balls than he does, which Deontay Washington, Deontay number 18, Deontay uh, whatever. I, I'm, so, I'm so bad with the names, too. I mean, he drops more balls than Ebron. They both drop 
poor poor Roethlisberger. I mean, gets. I mean, he must lose five catches a game from those two guys alone. So yeah, Pittsburgh is not what we thought they were. I don't know if they were, you know, playing with house money earlier. It, it happens. You get on a streak and you can't really explain why it happens, and then and then it's over, and and, and it's over. But yeah, I use. I mean, I'm sorry. The, the Colts are playing now. I'm almost for seeding. You know, I think you know they're not in in, but they're pretty much in. So it's all about seeding now. It's Deontay Johnson. Okay. And then James Washington. I like James Washington. I got no problem with him. Deontay Johnson yeah. drops everything. I mean, everything. He drops everything. I don't even know why he keeps playing. He drops everything. It's kind of like, uh, bless his heart, Aaron Wheeler at Purdue. Can't make a shot. Well, then why is he playing? I, I like Aaron Wheeler. And uh, two years ago, I thought he was a future pro. But then he, he, for, he lost the ability to shoot. But he still plays. He still takes threes. At some point, stop. And uh, Deontay, whatever your name is, we can't throw the ball to you anymore because you can't catch it. Yeah, God, I'm so I'm so disappointed in Aaron Wheeler. You wonder how much of that is mental. I mean, I don't want to get too off track here, but um, how be. much of that is just in his head? Because he Gotta clearly be. has some ability, and he has the body and athleticism to be a, a frontline player. But my God, I, I just don't I don't know if he can recover out of this funk. This has been like a year and a half of this. Um, so getting back to the Colts, look, let's put this Chiefs number one. Everybody's got the Chiefs number one. They're number one in the entire NFL. Uh, where would you stack up the Colts in the AFC? Like, gun to your head right now, if you were ranking them, let's say one through eight, because that's really who we're talking about, and one team's going to get left out, probably going to be Miami, but that's still yet to be determined. Well, the, I mean, I, I guess the only way I can say it really is, if I played for the Colts or coached them or whatever, owned them, I don't want to see Kansas City. I don't want to see Baltimore. And am I leaving anybody out? Who else do I not want to see? I don't, and I don't want to over... It might have just been a bad afternoon. Um, I would prefer them not play Cleveland again. I, I think Baker Mayfield has been really sharp this year. They have a lot of skill position talent. Um, I wouldn't. I, I would also put Baltimore and um, and Kansas City obviously in front of them. But Cleveland is a team that I would feel a little bit uneasy about. You know, Buffalo. I just haven't watched. Like I really need to watch Buffalo. I. I haven't watched, I don't think, more than like five minutes of, of Buffalo Bills football this year, and, and apparently they're very, very good. Yeah, I think that was – I knew I was forgetting a team. I knew – and I think Buffalo's the one. Buffalo's the one. So, anyway, I, I think they're fourth. I, I mean, I guess Cleveland maybe fifth. Um, you know, look, after Kansas City and then Baltimore, if, if enough guys are healthy – um, after those two, the three through seven will be just you know. I mean, who knows? They're they're all Throwing really good. Under. They're yeah. all really good, and not because sometimes you have playoffs where like yeah, after those two teams, they all kind of who cares? It's all meh. I, I don't think it's meh. I think they're all really good. Uh, just they're not Kansas City or Baltimore, and they're they're really not Kansas City. It's meh in the NFC when you get past the first couple of teams because there's no depth in that conference. But right, the AFC, there you, you, you might have. There's a not so. Um, unfeasible situation where you, you would have eight teams finish with 11 or more wins in the AFC, which is unprecedented. I mean, even with an expanded playoff, you'd have an 11 win team get left out, which I think has only happened twice in the, you know, however many years, 20 years or however long it's been since they expanded the playoffs. I think it's more like 30 now. Yeah. And it'll come up this year, you know, with uh, whoever gets left out, somebody in that city will write, you know why is why are the New York Giants in the playoffs at seven and nine or or whoever gets in from the from the NFC East? But um, I don't think that's the answer either. Uh, it's just it, these things come and go in weird little cycles. Do you care about the Pro Bowl stuff? I care that um, DeForest Buckner didn't make it. Uh, I don't understand. I mean, I don't understand that at all. Not not even a little bit. Uh, I thought he might be an All Pro guy. 
and he might still be an all-pro guy. Uh, and Darius Leonard was all-pro as a rookie and didn't make the Pro Bowl, I think. Or, or is Quentin Nelson. One of those guys think, was all-pro. Leonard and um, Nelson, I think, both made it. I know Nelson did. Well, then maybe Leonard made it as, a, as an alternate. I, one of them made all-pro but didn't make Pro Bowl initially. I, Some, I, I think the three were Ryan Kelly, Nelson, and Darius Leonard. No, no, I'm talking about three. I'm talking about as rookies. Oh, no, Darius Leonard didn't make the Pro Bowl as a rookie. You're right, and he made All-Pro. Yeah. Right, right, right. Which so was, that could which happen was to hilarious. Yeah. Right, well, that could happen to Buckner. I, I mean, I, that wouldn't surprise me because Buckner, if you told me what's more likely, he's going to make All-Pro or he's going to get left out of the Pro Bowl. I'd say, well, getting left out of the Pro Bowl is impossible. So I guess it's more unlikely that he's going to, you know, All-Pro. It won't happen because there's no way he gets out of. So I don't understand that one. And and my heart breaks for Kenny Moore. Um, yeah. Because he just, you know, he's so good and he's such a great guy. And and talk about perfect timing. He had two viral, inter- I mean, viral interceptions, two, in the two weeks kind of leading up to the crescendo of Pro Bowl voting. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, so his name is out there and it's hot and everybody knows it and we've seen the video. And so I'm I'm sorry for him and I, I I'm sorry for him, but I don't understand it for Buckner at all of not making it. Yeah, it's kind of just such a, and it's weird because I think DeForest Buckner's reputation is really strong, but it's kind of such a reputation-based, like, you know, no offense to Quentin Nelson, and I know that he's been dealing, he's been nicked up this year, but Quentin Nelson didn't play at a Pro Bowl level this year. Um, certainly not to his, the level that we're used to seeing from Quentin Nelson, but people know Quentin Nelson, he's been a Pro Bowler the first two years, he's been an All-Pro, so there he, there he goes, you know, he's off to the Pro Bowl. You um, could say the same about Darius Jeff- Leonard. Yeah, I, I mean, I remember Jeff Saturday in his last year was was not good in Green Bay, but people know Jeff Saturday because he was linked with Peyton Manning, and and so Jeff Saturday and they had that nice moment where Saturday switched sides and hiked the ball to Manning for one last time, which was kind of cool. But Jeff Saturday didn't—he wasn't a Pro Bowl player in 2012. <laughs> you know, he, he was in the twilight of his career. He was in the last year of his of, of his uh, career. So um, I, I don't get worked up about it, but. It does bother me because some people use this to evaluate players, and I don't think that's fair. Um, use all pro if you want to evaluate players, but the problem with all pro is that it's very exclusive. It's just one guy at each position. Yeah, and the thing is, there are always – well, actually, this year there won't be. You know what? There's always guys that drop out and for Super Bowl reasons or injury reasons, and then the guys get replaced. Well, this year there will be none of that because there's no game. So this is the team. There, there are no replacements coming in. You talk about reputation, guys. Darius Leonard, I mean, he made that unbelievable play this weekend to save the game. I mean, he basically won the game, or at least saved it from going overtime. But that was one of the first really splashy plays he made all year. And he's really good. I mean, he's great. But you look at the the impact plays, the, the forcing turnovers, sacks, and all that stuff, and it's not what it was as a rookie, and it's not what it was last year. But he's in. Um, maybe he and Quentin Nelson are both so good that they can play a rung below their best and they're still better than everybody else. And that might be the case. But neither of those guys had a year as good as what we've seen before. Neither. Uh, and DeForest Buckner, I think, had a normal year for him, which means awesome. And Kenny Moore had a lights-out year. So, it, I mean, it, look, I think this Colts defense was so good that they needed more than one player in. I, I mean, that's just one way you look got to look yeah. at it is, is that the best defense in the NFL most of the year, and certainly one of the top five, you got to have more than one guy. You just have to. Yeah, definitely can make a very strong argument for Buckner, for Moore, for Xavier Rhodes. Um, there were a couple of guys that really had um, really have, are in the midst of having very, very good seasons. Um, I think I already know the answer to this question for you, but um, Trevor Lawrence is now slated to go to Jacksonville because of that crazy win by the Jets over the Rams. And 
apparently Jacksonville has the tiebreaker. I guess it's a strength of schedule thing. I don't, I don't know how all that works for the number one pick. But assuming that the Colts have everything wrapped up, which mathematically, according to your colleague, Nat Newell, doesn't look likely. Even if they beat Pittsburgh, they might not have everything wrapped up, at least as far as the division is concerned, which they would still be alive for, um, should they lay down against the Jaguars in Week 17 so Trevor Lawrence doesn't end up in the division with Deshaun Watson? Wow. I mean, first of all, no, you never do that. You don't do that. Um, I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be really good. He's going to be really, really, really good. Yeah. Um, I I have a Heisman ballot, and I mean he's the clear number one pick. He's the best pro prospect in the, in the country. I mean, that's all obvious. But the Heisman Trophy goes to the best player in America, the best college football player in America, not who will be best next level. And I've got you know the Heisman ballot. You have three. You put three names on there, and he's not. Mm-hmm. I didn't put him. He's not on there for me. Um, I mean, I've got two quarterbacks on there. Um, two guys had a better year than he did. And so he'll be a problem. Yeah, and didn't miss pro- games. And didn't yeah, miss not, games not too. Lawrence's fault, but the, the COVID thing, I think, really kind of nuked his Heisman campaign. There's some of that too. And um, so I, but he's going to be a great pro. But the thing is, is that you don't know, you know, you, you could do the, and the Colts would never do this. But let's just say they did that. Let's say they tanked. And so, and Jacksonville instead got stuck drafting, I you know, got stuck drafting Justin Fields and he becomes the next big, 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 big thing. Yeah. I mean, you just don't know. Yeah. That's why you can't, mm-hmm. you win every game you can because it sticks to your record forever. And it's also not fair to integrity's sake. Just, it's just not fair. You play every game you can because what you don't want to do. And I tell people this all the time, people will get mad at me on Twitter and they'll say to me, you don't even mean what you wrote. You don't even mean that. And I'll write back and say, the world hates me for this story. The last thing I'm going to do is get hated for a story I didn't even mean. Of course I mean it. Um, same thing with, with this. The last thing you need to do is try to lose a game, and it screws you anyway because Justin Fields is better. You, you just got to go for it and see what happens. Yeah, I, I had a guy in my mentions say he would rather the Colts lose that game to Jacksonville and miss the playoffs entirely than see Lawrence in the division. And I just said, look, man, it, it would be, you know, if the Colts were 5-10 and 10 playing that last game against Jacksonville, I would actually be a proponent of them laying down because who cares? It's meaningless, whatever. But you would never punt a playoff season. You would, that would be malpractice to do something like that. Of course, any anytime you have the opportunity to make the playoffs, you've got to try to make the playoffs. I mean, that, you know, any, anything other is anything other than that is ridiculous. Nor so, would you but, punt. Momentum, and, and I know moment, there's a lot of arguments two and four and whatever, but I just think if you're playing a game and you and your playoff game is the next week or the next game, you don't want to go into it off a loss. Uh, now, if you're 15 and 0 and you lose and it takes away the the you know all all the 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 hoopla and also makes you pissed off that you lost and makes you motivated, that's different. That 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 is different. But by and large, you go in as hot as you possibly can, and we don't know Trevor Lawrence gonna be that good. I, is he said to be? And, and maybe he is. Is he said to be the best prospect at quarterback since Andrew Luck? And Andrew Luck was said to be the best prospect since Peyton Manning or John Elway even. Is, is, is Trevor at that level? I think it depends on who you talk to. Um, but, yeah, he's he's in that mix for being that guy for sure. Um, because, you know, obviously Mahomes wasn't regarded like that as a prospect, even though now we know that he's the best player in the league and, and it looks like he's going to be, you know, maybe an all-time great player with as good as he's been. Which is why, again, just another reason why you don't lay down and try and manipulate the draft somewhere else because you just don't know. There might be a Mahomes out there whose name is not Trevor Lawrence, and Jacksonville gets that guy. So you, you play to win. 
And uh, I've never understood the whole thing about let's lose. Like Kentucky fans, and there are other fans that feel this way too, but Kentucky fans, when they had Tubby towards the end, they were kind of hoping they'd lose some games because they were just sick of Tubby Smith and we'd like to get him out of here. And they were okay losing if it meant him he was going to go. And I just, and this happens in all over the place, all over schools. That's just the one that I remember specifically because I wrote about it. So I don't, I never understand wanting your team to lose for any possible reason. There's no, I'll never get on board with that. Well, I think there is. I mean, in the case of let's say the 2011 Colts, the 2011 Colts were two and 13 entering the final week, and if they won that game, they would have cost themselves Andrew Luck. So you just, I can understand fans wanting to lose that game because in the long run, it benefits your team. If you're a fan of the team, you want to see the best like the the Jets fans should not have been rooting for their team to beat the Rams like that's a horrible horrible win for the Jets because it might cost them Trevor Lawrence like you you didn't want that nobody's going to remember the fact that they went between one and 15 or or oh and six who cares now yeah and just like I said earlier why there's one time when a loss going to the playoffs might help you out and that's if you're 15 and 0 and you're it takes the distraction away of going perfect and you're pissed off that's the one exception and you're right what you just said is the one exception. When you are one game away from drafting the guy, don't win that game. Don't go from 0 and 15 to yeah. 1 and 6, 1, 0 and 15 to 1 and 15 because you, and then cost yourself Peyton Manning. Don't do that. So I'm with you there. Uh, let's talk crossroads. Um, it was a, an interesting afternoon. You had a, a, a pair of columns, uh, both about a pair of homecomings. Eric Hunter from Tinley Prep had a big game for Purdue, 20 points, uh, really stuffed the stat sheet. And then I really think, Greg, if this Indiana team is going to do anything this year, it's going to be really important for Armand Franklin to play at a really high level. Because we already know who Trace Jackson Davis is, but I just think Indiana desperately needs one of those guards to step up and make shots and be a presence for them. And Franklin really did that, especially in the second half against Butler. Yeah, they 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 need help for Trace Jackson Davis. And Race Thompson, you know, he had that game against Minnesota, I think, or whoever it was. 22 and 13 or some crazy um or providence providence um and he's not gonna do that every week but yeah they need help for trace jackson davis on the perimeter they need someone to stretch the court ideally they need three or four guys you know and i, I think going into the year you thought you know on paper i, I guess al durham is gonna be the guy you know maybe he'll score 12 13 14 a game um and he's a nice player but he is what he is and you know he's never gonna be that guy armin franklin is that guy and he's gonna become that guy and he's you talk about improving by leaps and bounds. I mean, that guy was not very good last year, and he was overwhelmed. He was playing out of position, and you know it's a hard transition for for guards. All that it all makes sense. Just like Christian Lander next year is awesome, it'll make sense. It'll make sense why this year is not very good. Next year's gonna make a huge leap. Armin Franklin's a pro. Not yet. He's not a pro right now. But at this trajectory, he's on the trajectory to be a pro. I mean, he's a six-five point guard who can with with a stroke like that and can defend. He's he's really good, um, and and is going to be really good. And IU needs that, and they need you know Trey Galloway. They, they they've got some nice pieces. I like their pieces, and I'd like Joy Brunk to get back. And I don't know why he's not back yet. Every time I use on TV, and Brunk's name comes up, comes up, they say, yeah, it's it's not serious. He'll be back soon. They that was what they were saying on game one, that it's not serious. He'll be back soon, and he still isn't playing yet. And they need that depth in the in the interior, but IU, I mean, IU's good. That's a top twenty-five team, and that's like not giving them nearly enough credit. They're better than that. Yeah, and I think Purdue, you could say all those things about too. Um, yeah. And and what I love about Hunter is that he's just fearless. Like I, I I remember I was there in Louisville for their Sweet Sixteen game against Tennessee, which went into overtime and and kind of got lost in the shuffle with what happened the next game against Virginia and that epic finish. Who of course went on to be national champion. 
But Eric Hunter came in when Nojel Eastern had, I think, three fouls or four fouls early in the second half, and Eric Hunter was a true freshman. And, yes, Carson Edwards went off, and there were other things that happened in that game, but Eric Hunter, without the minutes that they got from Eric Hunter, they would not have beaten Tennessee. And I was just so impressed by, on that stage, in that moment, were you there at Young Center? It was one of the best yeah. atmospheres I've ever been around for any game because you had 50% Purdue, 50% Tennessee, and it was just electric. And for a freshman to step in and do what he did with everything that was on the line, um, I'm, I'm not surprised at all that Eric Hunter has developed into the player that he, he is because I think you saw it early that he was going to be special for them. Well, you know that in uh, you know this is a basketball state beyond compare. We all know that. And Eric Hunter finished his high school career number seven, I think, all-time points. Um that's you know that right there like okay okay that's special and then he comes to Purdue and he's actually he made his mark and got his minutes as a defensive stopper really more than anything else and and now now his game is to the point where he can just beat you both ways he and he did that he beat Notre Dame both ways he was I mean uh Sasha Stefanovich was hitting shots but Eric Hunter was the best offensive player on, on the floor for Purdue points assists no turnovers he was the best and on defense, he was the best. I mean, he shut down. I mean, Prentice Hub, averaging 19 and a half a game, Notre Dame's leading score, didn't score. And Eric Hunter had help, but Eric Hunter was the guy on him most of the game. I mean, he he dominated at both ends, and uh, it was remarkable. He's a great young man, and his dad, Eric Senior, was 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 tweeting me about it and asking me, you know, is it in the paper tomorrow? I want to get a paper tomorrow. And and anyway, <laughs> so that was that's that's also fun when a parent reads a story and like it likes it. That's actually the best feeling ever. Uh, especially when they have a son as accomplished as, you know, Eric Hunter has been written and talked about a, a lot, you know what I mean? So that the excitement level is still there. That, that is cool. Um, you know, I, level Pacers open up. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I mean, pl- I, kids like um, kids and families, they, they like it when I write about them uh, because I write <laughs> long and, um, and the star puts it in a good spot. And, and I, you know, I get emotional when I write and I probably go too far and say, you know, I'm too nice. Maybe sometimes when I'm happy about something, but, Kids and their parents have have asked me, you know, when are you going to write about me, or when are you going to write about my kid, or when's it going to happen? Like I like I feel like 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 I'm, I'm a buffet, and they they just want to order. I, we'd like to order a Greg column from you. Eric Hunter teased me one time two years ago. He was a freshman. Yeah. And I was talking to him about somebody else, and it might have been at the NCAA tournament. I might have been you know advancing something, or it might have been hey, what about Carson Edwards? Something. And he teased me, and I'm not sure he was teasing, saying, when, when are you going to write about me? And I'm like, geez, I, Eric, I'll, I'll do it soon. Do something for me, and I'll do it soon. But <laughs> Ryan Klein did the same thing. Ryan Klein, the Carmel kid, did the same thing. And I said, Ryan, I'm waiting for you to have one of those games when I'm here and you hit 12 threes. And it finally happened when he was a senior. I didn't. So anyway, it's a good feeling that they want the, the Doyle treatment. I like that. <laughs> I just picture somebody sitting at a table. Yes, I'll have the uh, the Greg Doyle entree. Um, can I get a side of a Dana Benbo feature, please? Um, and for dessert, you know what I mean? Um, for dessert, I like, I like funny the, that, the hipster dude on the podcast. I, I want that. That's too. right, yeah. <laughs> um, let's leave with the Pacers. They open up the season tomorrow, games that count against the Knicks. Um, I'm not trying to be a jerk here, Greg. Uh, this is the least excited I've been about a Pacer season in a long, long time. Like, I just – I am almost completely – yeah, they have a new coach. Okay, uh, there are some things that I'm interested about, like Miles Turner with the new offensive system and the continued growth of somebody like Aaron Holiday. But overall, I, I'm really, really apathetic about this Pacers season. Am I wrong? Well, it's the perfect storm for that. Um, part of it is the season feels like it just ended. I mean, it just ended. And here we are starting up again. It's too soon. Um, and, and, there's, and because they're starting up right now, 
they're starting up right when college football is reaching its crescendo and 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 college basketball we're in the middle of the Big Ten schedule already and it's just it, it and the NFL is hitting getting the playoffs it's just yeah they're starting it's just a terrible time for them to start but you know the coronavirus it, that's the way it goes but also and I think this is part of it is uh and not all of it but it's part of it is Oladipo really has turned a lot of our stomachs um, and he's not a horrible human being he's I don't mean to go too far with it but when you think somebody is a 10 as far as fit and, and personality and, and sacrifice and, and love of your city and devotion and commitment to, to the, a team. When you think you've got that and then you realize, oh, hell, he's not that at all. He's, he's almost like just Paul George in prettier packaging. He's, and I don't mean good looks. I mean, he just, he just, he's more polished than Paul George, but he's the same guy. That's hard. Because that's hard. That's all part of it, too. So I, I don't know. There's just a lot of factors here, but I think the timing is the biggest thing. But I'm not excited about it for a lot of reasons, but Vic's a big reason. is I, I used to get excited about Pacers seasons because what's Vic going to do this year and how many times do I get to write that I love Victor Oladipo and how many times do I get to embarrass <laughs> myself as being a homer, but I don't care because Vic's ours and this we're his city, and and it's that's gone, and it's not coming back, and uh, it's disappointing. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Because any, let's say Oladipo, even if he's great, there's always going to be a, yeah, but he might not want to be here. Or, yeah, but they might trade him. Or, yeah, but he might leave. You know, like anything that he does is just going to be in the back of your mind. There's going to be that skepticism. So it's, it's just going to be, I think, hard to fully enjoy what Oladipo and what the Pacers do this year with, with not really knowing, I guess, what the future holds uh, specifically for him. I am excited, though. Um or at the very least, I'm very intrigued by what the team will look like um, with the basically the same roster as they've had yeah. under Nate, pretty much healthier, but the same players. And we're going to see a whole different style. And uh, we assume, we've been told, and I'm sure we will, and they're going to chuck threes, and, and they're going to have growing pains. You know, when the Miami Heat, the big three came together, Bosch, Wade, and LeBron, their first 11 games, they were 6-5. and five. I remember that. And which is just, you know, ludicrous. And people like me who didn't like LeBron for leaving Cleveland the way he did were mocking them and loving the fact they were six and five. And they hit their, their they, they found their spot, obviously, and did okay. And the Pacers are not that at all. The point is, when you have radical change, whether it's, change, whether it's adding two superstars or ch- your coach comes in and changes up the entire system, uh, it's gonna, you're not going to, especially as fast as it's happened this offseason with very few preseason games. It's not going to be good at first. It's just not. I mean, they they might start. I don't know what the schedule looks like, but if, if they're three and seven after ten games, a I'm not going to be stunned, and b I hope I don't freak out and write, oh my god, this isn't working because they're not going to be great out of the shoots. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, no, totally with you there. Um, and we'll talk plenty of Pacers on this podcast, uh, obviously, as that season goes on. Uh, check out Greg's latest work. Um, anything upcoming? For, I know it's a holiday week, so I, I didn't know if they were actually going to give you a little bit of a breather. No, I'm I'm writing a ton this week again. Uh, thing to, okay. you know, hopefully you're listening today, uh, Tuesday. I'm Indiana State basketball at one o'clock against Southeast Missouri uh, State or SEMO, whoever the hell they are. I don't know what their nickname is. Don't care. Uh, I'm going to watch that game and I'm going to write about it. And I, I hope I'll just tell you right now. I hope that Jake Laravia goes off. He went off last game against Ball State, had 20-something in the first half. And Anyway, I'm hoping to write about Jake LaRavia today as I watch Indiana State play SEMO. That, that's coming up. You know, the Pacers are playing. Purdue's play, – IU's playing on Christmas Eve, I think, or the 23rd maybe. 
No, the Purdue's on Christmas Day. That's it. I use the next day. Anyway, it all the schedule runs together, and uh, yeah. So a lot of stories coming. Please come back and read them. You can check it out at IndyStar.com, IndyStar app as well. Like, subscribe, and we will see you next week. Until then, Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays, Greg. Happy Holidays. Merry Christmas to all of you. And thanks so much for listening to the pod. Happy Holidays. Merry Christmas and all those things. Yes, sir.